Do you know who was named the best putting mat in 2022 by my golf spy? It was the mats from Birdie Ball. It'll help you sink more putts and make more birdies with a Birdie Ball putting green, all in the comfort of your own home. Check out Birdie Ball online at birdieball.com. Birdie Ball is here to make golf more fun and accessible. Find out more at birdieball.com. Welcome to Grilling at the Green After Hours. Conversation that took place after the broadcast ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm JT. Today, we've got a friend of the show and excellent writer, Bob Herrick, out there. Bob also does television. He does a little radio. He does some podcasts. He plays a little golf. Stays out of his wife's way. I know that about him, so he doesn't get in trouble. Um, he's a smart man. But my well, what I was saying at the end of the show, my friend that lived there and worked for those guys for a long time, more than 30 years, just said it was inevitable. And, you know, not that he had anything to do with PIF or anything, but it was the attitude and he was telling me, he said, you know, you work for him a little bit. He goes, when they target something, they don't give up. They yeah. they find a way to to get their point across and get their investments or whatever they're looking for. In that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's I, I, I think there's the, the notion that they have the ability to be patient and outlast uh, and outlast people if they wanted to. And that's where when when you heard all the all the, the it's not sustainable. They they're, they're not making any money. There's no revenue. There didn't need to be. Right. It's different than any other business. I mean, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, as much money as he has, would want to see a return on investment. For sure. He might have had a five or eight year plan if he wanted to do something like this, but he'd still want to start seeing things go in that direction. This isn't any one person's money. There's a lot less emotion attached to it, I think. It's a sovereign wealth fund worth $650 billion. Yep. And it's probably going to go to a trillion estimates, say, in the next several years. It's a fund that has three or 400 people working on it. You know, and they're, they're, they're constantly investing and reinvesting and getting returns. And so they have money in there to take chances and they've used, used some of it on sports. And so if they burned a million or two or five, or excuse me, billion, a billion or two or 5 billion, as, as incredible as that sounds to us, it's just a rounding error to those guys. It's right. really, it's, it might be a quarter's worth of moderate interest. You know, if they had, <laughs> if they had all their money in a CD, in a three month CD, they might get that back. <laughs> I mean, so like that's where people have missed this. Yeah, they don't want to lose money. They tighten the screws this year. They they clamp down a little bit. The, the extravagance has been gone. They've they've toned it down. They mm-hmm. they clearly they wanted to make a splash and then they wanted to, to rein it in. And you know, I've I've read these things. You have too. You know, they invest in Uber. Uh, they invest in FedEx. They invest in tons of U.S. companies. You know, the last I checked, Uber has not made a profit. Look how long they've been around. Yeah. 10, 12 years. I mean, but they have the they they obviously believe in what they have. 
and think one day they're they're going to they're going to make a lot of money and i mean that was sort of the concept with this if they could have gotten to the point and maybe they still think they will somehow of selling these 12 franchises again let's just take a number a, mil, a 100 million i think that's excessive i don't know if anybody pays that but let's say you had a decent tv deal and you're as part of that your brand is going to be splashed on tv every week that live plays you're going to have a lot of uh, attention in the towns you go to. Maybe you're just a rich guy who loves golf and wants to rub elbows and thinks this is fun to throw this money into. Well, $100 million, Liv was going to keep $75 million of it um, because they, it was $75.25. Uh, if you did that 12 times, you know, you're getting close to a billion dollars back. Right. Not to mention their stake in the team still that they would own and, and all the other revenue streams that they'd have. Now, was that doable in two, three, five, eight, ten years? I don't know. But clearly that was their vision. And I can't imagine these guys step into these things and not think it down the roadways. I think um, the point you just brought up, Bob, is very spot on because <clears throat> if you look at uh, a lot of things in our country, and a lot of how things have changed, especially maybe over the last 30 years or so since we've had cell phones and more advanced technologies. We have kind of become a country of instant gratification. A lot of other countries around the world, and I've been to them and you've been to them, they don't have that and they don't have that mentality. They have the long range kind of plotting they want to make progress, but they don't have to hit a touchdown on every set of plays, so to speak. You know what yep. I mean? They they gain 20 yards. They do this. They do that. And maybe after four or five of those types of series, they get into the goal, you know, into the end zone. And it's all good. But I think societally on our uh, country here and i'm not knocking it this is the best place to live on earth but i'm just saying i think we've gotten that instant gratification and especially with social media if something's wrong we're going to tear it apart in 15 seconds or less and move on you sure. know like that and that's not the mindset of the rest of the world right yeah so yep. no i yeah i remember when i got my first cell phone and then i thought it was very cool and then i got my first cell phone bill uh which was eight hundred dollars for a month because I was <laughs> right. calling everybody, say, "Hey, I got a new cell phone, you know, my car, like that." Um. So put on your prognostication hat, and uh, let me throw some names at you, and you can give me the over and under to see how they shake out. Okay, this is just fantasy. This is like Bob and Jeff's fantasy sports. Uh betting game here all right let's start with the easy one greg norman stays uh i would say no and it'd be like you know 80 20 that he's gone uh correct yeah okay if I, you want me to do it like that i would yeah. say 80 20 he's gone yes okay and then monahan that to me is more like 60 40 he's gone I'm not sure if he can if he can survive this. And just off the betting track for a second, who would they put in his place? That's a great question because um, 
I mean, clearly they have executives at the tour who who, are, who know the ins and outs. Sure. But they've never had to like scramble like this. You know, Monaghan's just the fourth commissioner in PJ Tour history going back to 1968. I mean, the very first commissioner was a kind of a, a golf statesman named Joe Dye. Uh, and and he had been with the USGA and, and he, he was kind of viewed as a peacemaker because there had been friction between the PJ Tour and the PJ of America. Sure. Well, then, you know, he was only on the job for five years. And and Dean Beeman became the commissioner. I, I'm not sure how the circumstances played out, but but he was a player, and and he had the support of players. And while he became a very very shrewd businessman, uh, and ha- the tour has a lot to owe to him to they, to this day still, <clears throat> I would think it would be very hard for a player to ascend to that position now, uh, because because of all the other things that are involved. Yeah. After that, Fincham had worked under Beeman for many years. Monaghan had worked at the tour for a good eight, 10 years. There's, there's been a system in place to groom people. And my guess is they thought this decision was 10 years off. You know, Jay's 53. Fincham was in his late 60s when he retired. So uh, you know, Beeman, Beeman was younger. He was more like 56 or 57. And it was a bit of a surprise because he wanted to go play some senior golf, which he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, Fincham was there. He, 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 had, he was actually the deputy commissioner. Monaghan had been named deputy commissioner. So it's almost like it, this was the hand-picked guy. There, there's no such you know, transition in place right now because clearly nobody saw this coming. You know, I mean, Jay's a young man. He's been in the job for six years, five, six years. If he wanted, if he wanted to stay in it without any kind of issues like this, he could work another seven to 10, 15 years if he wanted. So that's where, like, be careful what you wish for. Like, you want to push him out because you're mad. All right, well, now you got to replace him, you know? And um, typically, if you want to go outside, that's going to take a while. That's a vetting process that requires a lot of time. I mean, so then what? Do you name an interim or, I mean, so... That's why I, I, I don't put it as strong as I do Norman. Like 60, I'm 60, 40 thinking he might leave, but, but I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be right away. Well, they're not going to post it on Indeed if they <laughs> want, a, want a new commissioner. You know, there's a certain circle of, of, of people that they, they look to. You know, they, looked up, they also look to people like Condi Rice and that type of thing to those people that have been, international notoriety different things there's it's probably something that they wouldn't ask Herrig and tracy to do you know what i mean i don't i don't think so i'm not too worried about getting asked yeah yeah i don't think so okay let's move on to our prognostications here um who is the first person out of uh tiger side but we've got johnson and kepka and and Rory and that kind of upper echelon group. And these are kind of the senior statesmen of that group. Who's the first one to walk away for good? Um, to walk away from... from competitive golf. I mean, from being on the tour or being in live, either one. Um, you know, because you, you've got guys like Poulter and that crew that they've already right. kind, kind of hit their apex and they're just getting some nice checks and having some fun. So 
I, I, I have to think that that, that would be Dustin Johnson. He, he's, I believe he's 38 now. Um, he's won two majors. He's made a lot of money. He walked away from the PGA Tour with no ill will. He never yeah. said anything bad about him. He resigned his membership. And, you know, if Liv plays on for the next couple of years, you know, I believe he was signed for four. I think he'll honor that. Mm-hmm. And then he'll, he'll leave. You know, maybe he'll play a few events here and there. He'll play the Masters and the because he can in the U.S. Open. Or I, right. I, I could be totally wrong, but you're asking who who's the first to walk away. That's who I would see. I I see from that group. How does Rory survive this? Because Jay and the guys at headquarters kind of had him as the mouthpiece, the face of the tour, because he's still active. Tire. Tiger made a few statements, of course, early on in that, but then he got hurt again, and you know the drill better than anybody. But Rory really became the face of the tour position, understandably so. But, you know, when I saw him at a couple of the pressers, Bob, he just looked so tired to me. He's not an old guy. He's, you know, what? what is he, 32 or something? 34, yeah. 34. I think Rory's worn out on this. He he put his he put himself out there. He took on the mantle for the PGA Tour. He pushed hard for this designated event system. Um, he's been a de facto spokesman for the tour on this a lot, and I think right. it's worn him out. And you know he's tired of it. He's he's he he's not playing this week at the Rocket Mortgage, but he attended the the Tour Policy Board meeting there. Um, I mean you know so he. Yeah, you know, on a week that he's not playing, that I'm I'm guessing that's something he wouldn't have wanted to do. Yeah, but uh, you know because of the situation, that's what he's doing. And uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I I think Roy's kind of worn out. I think it's impacted his game in some ways. You know, he's still so good that he puts himself there, but obviously he's, you know, he's not had great Sundays now for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, the 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 U.S. Open was there to be had uh, for him. Uh, so was the Memorial. Uh, so was the Canadian Open. He was only mm-hmm. two back going in the final round. Wasn't able right. to get it done at any of them. Yep. Yep. Well, and I give, uh, on that note, I also give uh, Wyndham Clark a little kudos there that he he hung in there. Um, of course, he went, I'm an Oregon State guy, and he went to, you know, U of O. So, yeah, yeah. yeah my, my support is only so much. But anyway. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> anyway. It's all good. Okay, so who do you think will be the first major sponsor coming into the 23-24 season that is not on an elevated event that will say, I'm done? Yeah, good one. Well, I mean, Honda's already won. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they might've been bailing any, any, anyway, before all of this, but they, <clears throat> if, if they weren't, then I think this was the final straw. Um, trying to think of if, if any of them are tenuous as it, as it stands right now. Uh, look, it's, 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 I'm not even really guessing here, but AT&T has pretty much told the tour that they are not going to be back at the Byron Nelson 
after next year. Mm-hmm. Now, AT&T also sponsors Pebble Beach, and Pebble Beach is expected to be a designated event. So they're clearly pumping a lot of money into the tour, and the Dallas area being AT&T's home base, they're sort of expected to stay involved in that event. So, you know, they're a hard one to put on this, too, because they're buying into it in one of their tournaments and and bailing on the other one. Sure. Um, you know, but look, uh, Sony's been a longtime sponsor. I don't think they're real happy. Or it'd be hard to believe they're real happy with the minuscule ratings they get for the Sony Open. A lot of that has nothing to do with this current situation. When you play up against the NFL playoffs, you're just asking for trouble. <laughs> I, 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 it's another subject, but you know, the whole, the whole thing about moving the, the events from September to get away from the NFL and college football was obviously understandable because the tour was having a hard time competing its playoff events against that. So they moved it up so that they would be completed in August, which is a smart move, but they've never addressed January where it's worse. I mean, 40, 50 million people watch playoff football. 25 million are watching the first rounds. How are you going to get, you know, I'm a football fan too. It's my job to watch golf and I'm wanting to watch the football. Right. So how that is a problem. And so if you're the, the, the tournament of champions at Kapalua, I think does fine. You know, I mean, obviously it's kind of the first tournament. It's a beautiful setting, good field. Then the Sony comes along. All right, we've 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 gotten a little bit of a golf fix, but oh, by the way, there's three games on Saturday and three games on Sunday for the NFL. And I don't got time to fit in golf. If I'm Sony, I'm sitting there going, man, that's that's a tough pill. Yeah. You know, so like they, they could be one where they're not a designated event. They're not assured of a great field. And they're, they're kind of getting battered already. Well, I think I think too. I think you're right on the right track there because I, you know, it used to be Masters was the the big kickoff across the country for civilian golf. You know, once the Masters was held and you watched it on TV, you pulled your clubs out of the garage and you started playing. That has moved back even though masters is still a huge deal and the kickoff, I actually think as far as televised golf, that it's waste management, the Phoenix open. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because it's fun. It's a party. You got all kinds of celebrities showing up there. You've got, you know, pro-ams that people are having a ball with and, and all of that. And so that is what three weeks three and a half weeks difference between that and the Sony. Yeah. Some, something like that. If so, you, there's so much more that goes into this. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the tour is going to play if they have people willing to sponsor their events. Sure. But, but from a commercial aspect, you know, from a fan, from a true fan aspect, they'd be much better off waiting until February 1st to begin because let us develop an appetite for it. Yeah. Let us, let us miss it a little bit. You, you come out with a tournament right away the first week of the new year. We're just coming out of the holidays. There's college football galore, bowl games. Now, the, now these, we're going to have playoffs in, in college football yep. as well. That's a time a lot, you know, a, a lot of our sports minds are that. And, and 
There's no other sport that kicks off the season with as little fanfare as golf. Obviously, opening day of Major League Baseball is huge. The NFL now is big. Uh, you know, hockey and the NBA have they have a big celebration when they start. Not golf. It's it's a it's kind of a slow opening. And I just think if it were possible, and again, there's a lot that goes into this. It's easy for me to say, but right. if you waited, if you waited until late January or even February 1st to start, your commercial product from a TV standpoint would be so much better received. You would break Mark uh, Rolfing's heart, but I agree yes. with you. Yeah. And that's it. And that look, and that's the other side. What you're not going to play in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course that would be silly, you know, like, but maybe there's another place for it. But again, I, any place you take a tournament away from is bad for that community. So yeah. there's always, there's always a, a fallout to it. Me saying something like this, I, I preface it by saying it's not that easy because you're impacting other people and, and, and maybe it's worth it to not impact those people. But in, if you're just looking at this from a consumer objective, getting as many eyeballs on it as possible, then, then less is more, if you ask right, me. Right, right. Is there, uh, is there one tournament that, that Bob Herrig wouldn't mind if it went away? <laughs> oh, wow. That's a good, that's a good one. That's that's probably not fair, I guess. Um, I don't have to be fair on this show. You know, <laughs> you, you know. Look, I have no problem with the venue, but I don't think that the New Orleans event yeah. is working that great. The team event. Um, uh, I'm not. I'm just. I'm, I I think it needs to be restructured. I thought it was a good try by them to do something different, and we do need some different formats. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, and that's frankly is why live, I thought if they would have gone down the road of being additive and we just want to give you something different that might've gone over differently. Like, look, we got no problem with the PJ tour, but Hey, look, you know, there's nothing wrong with a 54 hole event wearing shorts and a shotgun start once a month, Yeah, you know, going down that road. And that's why I think the new Orleans idea was fine, but it's a huge field. It's hard to attract a, a good field with all these other big tournaments. I'm not saying they should abandon New Orleans. I'm just saying I'm not sure that that format is has been great. I'm not sure everybody that watches it understands that format, honestly. Yeah, um, it's meant it's you know it's it's meant to be a little bit like the Ryder Cup, one day of best ball, one day of all right. shot, and you know in that regard, it 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 maybe helps helps the U.S. especially you know find some teams. But then, you know, there've just been some weird oddities about it too. I mean, there's been some strange teams and it, it's, it, there's 80 players, you know, 40 teams, uh, or excuse me, 160 players, 80 teams. That's a lot. Yeah. You know, it, it's hard to make it special. There's got John Daly and, and David Duvall were a team this year. I mean, those, those guys shouldn't be in a PJ tour event. So certainly not daily, you know, no. at 57 or eight years old. You know, and they missed the cut by a mile, you know. So um, uh, in any case, I, I, I know I could think of some others. You know, I, I, I just think a little bit of contraction isn't the worst thing. Uh, food's good, though, in New Orleans. Yes. Oh, well, that's why I say I don't think you can abandon the location. <laughs> yeah, food's good. <clears throat> All right. Just a couple more. And this is uh, 
and and you just touched on it a minute ago. Is there somebody uh, that still plays on the tour occasionally that should just say, I'm done, that you've covered for a long time? Maybe they do it because they still like to get out there and do it. Maybe their sponsors expect them to play. What I don't know what their personal reasons are. But, you know, sometimes when I look at like, like daily and I, I watched him for years, I saw the talent he had, uh, you know, his personal demons, that's a whole different story, but I'm just talking about the golf, but now he's, you know, he's an older guy. He's got bad knees, got a bad back, you know, whatever like that. Maybe he should just, somebody like that should just. Maybe the maybe the tour could put together and you know like they used to have years ago the exhibitions, and you yeah. could have you could have John come in and somebody else, uh, you know, play four holes or something. Some and and people get to see him at at, at some sort of pro am tournament or something. I don't know, but is there somebody that you think should hang up the putter? Well. You know, Daly still plays Champions Tour golf, which I, I don't begrudge any of those guys doing that. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sh- I'm not sure he should be playing the British Open and the PGA anymore. Um, he can barely get around. You know, right. he's got a bad knee. Um, he's been given a card at the PGA. The Open won't give him one. Um, you know, you start to run into the idea: Are you taking a spot from somebody? Right. Uh, you know, and uh, so. Uh, you know, last year was St. Andrews where he won. I, I wouldn't have begrudged him playing there. Um, but, um, yeah, I, it's hard for me, though, to name anybody else on the regular tour. Because if you're not competitive, you don't it's, – uh, it, it's hard enough to stay out there. Right. You know, I mean, so I guess if you're an exempt player and you have – like, I've, I, I realize this isn't what you're asking, and he's a different, he's a different animal all around. Sure. But I hear it all the time. Well, you know, Tiger should just retire. Why does he even bother? You know what? That's not our business. If yep. that guy wants to go out there and crawl around and play, that's totally on him. That's he's earned it. He he's you know he's exempt. He's a lifetime member, and I would never begrudge. And and to ever suggest that we should tell the guy that he can't play to what just because he can't win all the time? Yeah, you know yeah. I don't yeah. think that should that should be an issue. I mean, they have a you know they have rules in place for these older players. I mean. And, and if, 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 if the rules allow them to play, I'm all for them getting to play. Okay. Let's do something positive here, Bob, and then I'll let you go here. Um, besides yourself, who's your favorite sports writer? Oh, wow. Um, let's see. Well, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll give you an old school one. Um, and then I'll, I'll, uh, I'll give you a more recent more okay. of my vintage old school is a guy named Bob Verdi, who um, I kind of grew up reading with the Chicago Tribune when mm-hmm. I was a kid. And uh, he moved on from there to, to write for golf world and golf digest and just a terrific guy and really, really good at what he did. And, and I think my favorite one now is, is Chuck Culpepper writes for the Washington post and Chuck's been in a lot of different places, really sure. versatile. Like, you know, he was at the U.S. Open. He's going to be at the Women's World Cup. And he was at the French Open before the U.S. Open. 
just covers a lot of sports, very big into college football. Um, and just, you know, pretty much nails it every time he goes out there. Very good. Now, who's your favorite play-by-play person besides me? Because I don't count because you're on the show today. But the point is, who's your favorite announcer TV? I would still go with Bob Costas. Yeah. Yeah? Just, yeah, I just, just you know, I just really have always liked him. I mean, there's so many good ones. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, in golf, I have I have a high regard for Jim Nance. Um, you know, but if, if you're if you're going beyond that, um, uh, it's hard for me to think, you know, a guy like Costas, who's done a lot of different sports. Obviously, baseball is his, his big one. Right. But, you know, he he's done NFL. He did, you know, he did the Olympics, all the Olympics. He's been involved in golf at times over the years. Just very versatile. And, you know, Mike Tirico is a you know, former colleague of mine at ESPN who, now is a, who is now at NBC. You know, just, you know, the, the ultimate pro. Uh, yeah. Just such a workhorse. I was going to I was going to throw Mike's name out there because. You know, one week he can be covering golf and then he could be at Churchill Downs and then he can be at the World Figure Skating Championships or whatever he uh, I don't know him personally like you do, but he seems just to have everything covered and always well prepared. That's uh, a big deal for me. Anyway, Bob Herrick, thank you, buddy, for being with us uh, again. And uh, I always enjoy our little chats. Put it that way. Absolutely. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate you having me. You got it. We'll be back next week. Uh, everybody have a great 4th of July weekend. Uh, if you notice my little backdrop here, little fireworks and all that, but we'll be back with a new show next week here on grilling at the green. Uh, so Bob, you and your family have a great fourth and we'll do the same up here. Thanks. That sounds great. Appreciate you, it. You got it. Take care, everybody. We'll see you next time.